Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue our look at a book titled The Infinite Atonement, written by Tad R. Callister. And Tad Callister wrote this book back in 2000. And so you might be asking, well, why are you covering a book that was written so long ago? The reason why we wanted to cover this, and we've been wanting to do this for several years, but now we are finally getting around to it. But I think it's important because... What Callister teaches in this book is still believed by many modern Latter-day Saints today. As we mentioned in a past show, if you look this book up on Amazon.com and you read the stars and the comments for this book, you'll find that it's basically a five-star review, and there's been over 400 reviewers. So obviously there's a lot of Latter-day Saints out there that think this book has some value, and as I mentioned also, Even though the book came out in the year 2000, in 2006, Deseret Book published a leather-bound edition of this book. And folks, they don't do that with just any book. So obviously, Deseret Book, which is owned by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, see that there is a lot of value in what Tad Callister is teaching. Now, as I mentioned in another broadcast, both traditions share the word atonement. Mormons have that word, we as Bible-believing Christians have that word, but what's important to ask is three basic questions. Okay, if it's the same thing, where did this atonement take place? What did the atonement actually accomplish? And is the benefits of the atonement achievable? Those are three questions that you have to ask when this subject comes up in your conversation with a Latter-day Saint. Today we want to talk about where it took place in the eyes of Latter-day Saints. But before we do that, Eric, there's one thing I have to bring out that just irritates me that he put on page 14 of the book. On page 14, he cites 13th President Ezra Taft Benson, who taught, and I have to assume Tad Callister agrees with this, otherwise he would not have included it. What did he say? Much of the Christian world today rejects the divinity of the Savior. They question his miraculous birth, his perfect life, and the reality of his glorious resurrection. The Book of Mormon teaches in plain and unmistakable terms about the truth of all of those It also provides the most complete explanation of the doctrine of the atonement. Truly, this divinely inspired book is a keystone in bearing witness to the world that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, when he says much of the Christian world today rejects the divinity of the Savior, miraculous birth, his sinless life or perfect life is the word he uses, and the reality of his glorious resurrection. This is what Ezra Taft Benson said. When I read something like that, I have to ask, who are you talking about when you say that that is the Christian world? Because if someone came up to me and they said, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe 
in the divinity of Christ. I don't believe that Jesus is God. I don't believe he had a miraculous virgin birth. I believe his birth was just like, his conception and his birth was just like everybody else. I don't believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, and I certainly don't believe in his resurrection. The first thing I would say to that individual is, quit calling yourself a Christian. Because you're not a Christian if you deny those basic tenets of our faith. So when he cites Ezra Taft Benson as saying somehow that most of us in the Christian world are denying all these things, but look at us, Latter-day Saints, we affirm all of them, that should be offensive to most Bible-believing Christians. And I very much agree with you, Bill, on that. And then when he says that the Book of Mormon teaches in plain and unmistakable terms about the truth of all of those, well, the topic we're going to talk about today is the Garden of Gethsemane, and we have done our research, and do you know how many times the Garden of Gethsemane is mentioned in the Book of Mormon? And the answer is zero. zero. You will not find any mention of the Garden of Gethsemane in the Book of Mormon. You will not find any hint of a Garden Atonement in the Book of Mormon. So what do we conclude from this, folks? We conclude that if the Nephites were a people that really existed, if we have the Book of Mormon to tell us what they believed, obviously they had no clue as to the Garden of Gethsemane having anything to do with the Atonement of Christ. It mentions the cross, but it never mentions the Garden of Gethsemane. This is why, when he goes on on page 14 to say, if it were not for the Book of Mormon, we would fall victim to many of the misconceptions about the fall and the atonement as discussed above, simply because the Bible, as inspired as it is, has had, quote, many parts which are plain and most precious, end quote, deleted from its original contents. There you go. The Bible can't be trustworthy because it's true only as far as it's translated correctly. Who knows what was taken out? And yet, the scholarship shows that our Bible is very reliable. It is very accurate. We have findings of manuscripts to help us understand the Old Testament, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the New Testament, more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts, to help us understand what the Bible really said. So this is something that is not is not going to be able to be verified. Well, he goes on in that same paragraph to say, fortunately... The Book of Mormon has come to our rescue. Well, folks, it does not come to their rescue when it comes to where this alleged atonement took place, if, in fact, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we find the Garden of Gethsemane talked about throughout the infinite atonement. In fact, on page 3, Callister cites Apostle Bruce R. McConkie, a man that you mentioned on Monday, Bill, very much is a favorite of Callister's. And he, this is what McConkie said, the most transcendent event in his entire eternal existence, the most glorious single happening from creation's dawn to eternity's endless continuance, the crowning work of his infinite goodness, such took place in a garden called Gethsemane. On page 133, Callister has this interesting statement to make. Those who have belittled the Savior's sacrifice as no superhuman feat, because others have been so crucified and died so, quote, nobly, have forgotten the moments in the garden. The physical pain of the cross alone, when compared to the accumulated pain of the garden and the cross, was as a penlight to the sun. Wow. 
10 light to the sun. Perhaps the cross was chosen because the Savior wanted us to know he had endured man's greatest form of inhumanity to man, but even then such anguish was relatively insignificant when compared to the spiritual agony in the garden, which was extended on the cross. One more time, I want to remind everybody that the word garden, the Gethsemane, is not found in the Book of Mormon. And I'm also going to tell you that the Garden of Gethsemane is not referred to by Paul, the writer of Hebrews, throughout all the epistles. It's never even referenced. The cross is all over the place, but the Garden of Gethsemane certainly talked in the Gospel account. It certainly happened. We believe in the Garden of Gethsemane. But as far as the atonement is concerned, Christians don't believe that it is the place where the atonement took place. This is why I challenge what he says on page 122, where Callister says it seems appropriate that the place for his shedding of blood should be a garden called Gethsemane. I challenge any Latter-day Saint that is listening, I want you to go back and I want you to read what Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is prior to his crucifixion on the cross. Read carefully what Jesus prays. You will find something very interesting. Never once in his prayer does he mention us. Never does he talk about what he's going through at that point in time was on behalf of anyone else. It was all about himself. It was all about Jesus. Why? Because he knew what was about to take place. If that be the fact, this whole notion that he went through much more pain and suffering in the garden than on the cross is nonsense. You will not find in his prayer in the garden that it gives any hint that what he's going through at that particular time had any benefit for us as believers. And as you so aptly said, Eric, this is why we don't find the Apostle Paul or Peter or the writer of Hebrews or any in the New Testament epistles, any of the writers pointing to the Garden of Gethsemane as having anything to do with our atonement. This is probably perhaps why we don't find anywhere in the Book of Mormon where it points to the Garden of Gethsemane. Doesn't it seem odd, Eric, that something so important, and and I'm only saying that because Callister's making it extremely important. In fact, other Mormon leaders have made it very important where it happened. If that is such an importance... Why is it the Book of Mormon is silent on this? Why is it that the Nephites, if they existed at all, seem to have no knowledge of a garden atonement? 17th President Russell M. Nelson said in 2013, Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, all mankind, even as many as will, will be redeemed. The Savior began shedding his blood for all mankind, not on the cross, but in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he took upon himself the weight of the sins of all who would ever live. Under that heavy load, he bled at every pore. The agony of the atonement was completed on the cross of Calvary. And that's found in the Inside Magazine, April 2013, page 35. And I'm going to say, Bill, that Russell Nelson makes the cross seem like an afterthought. Well, not only that, but we find other quotations by general authorities where they will say very clearly that Jesus took upon himself all the sins of mankind in the Garden of Gethsemane. If he took 
all of the sins of mankind upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane, what would be left for him to do on the cross? It makes no sense. It becomes very confusing. So even though Mr. Callister wants to make it sound like Latter-day Revelation comes to the rescue, in my opinion, it actually raises some more questions. It doesn't clarify this at all. I have never heard any Latter-day Saint leader explain specifically why the atonement had to take place in two locations. What was not done in the Garden of Gethsemane that had to be done on the cross at Calvary? Please explain that to me, because it doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever when you have some general authorities saying all the sins of mankind were taken upon him in Gethsemane, but yet he had to go on and finish it at the cross. You're right that there are many different leaders who have said that all of the sins are paid. Let me just give you one. Uh, 70 Wolfgang H. Paul in 2007 in the June Ensign magazine said it was there at the Garden of Gethsemane that the Savior paid the price for all the sorrows, sins, and transgressions of every human being who ever lived or ever will live. I think that's a fair question then, wouldn't it be? If that's where it took place, then what was the purpose of the cross? I don't think Callister gives a very good explanation, and this is why I don't think it really is appropriate at all that we need to turn to the Garden of Gethsemane as the location where the atonement took place. And once again, we have no help from the epistles from the Bible. We certainly have no help from the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.